welcome to Afro Leads, the podcast. Afro Leads consists of two sisters, myself, Julie and Steph, and we're on a mission to promote UK black business and culture. You can find us on our Instagram platform with daily positive posts about black businesses, groups, communities, celebrities, music, and so much more. Today, we are blessed with the presence of an Instagram sensation, the fabulous and talented Kajare. For those who haven't seen her work, where have you been? You're missing out on a combination of witty and playful influences mixed with popular culture and current affairs. Kajara's art and illustrative talents focus on black culture, celebrate the black experience and share her sense of humour, which is amazing. What we love about her work is whether the message and illustration is comical observation or something more heavy or serious, the combination of her creative talent and her love of words can be seen and felt by her followers. Black girl magic, am I right? It's great to see her following grow. Initially... Kajare's Instagram platform was solely to promote her stationery, homework and accessories. But now this queen has fans that eagerly await the next pop cultural, social or political post. We are huge fans. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, guys. (laughs) You're welcome. We were saying, obviously, before we started recording, we've just we've been huge fans from like, well, forever, really. So it's a huge honour to have you on to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So without further ado, do you mind if I just dive in? Because like we say, we've obviously followed you for a long time. We've read quite a lot of the, anytime you've, you've done any sort of interviews or when there's been spotlight on yourself or your brand, we've obviously eagerly read that as well. But there's so many questions that we have to ask you. So if it's okay with you, we'll just dive straight in if that's cool. Yeah, go for it. Perfect. So as most of our listeners know, we identify as British Ghanaians. Both our parents are from Ghana. We were born just outside of Hull in Yorkshire. What's your background? What's your heritage? I am Zimbabwean. So both of my parents are from Zimbabwe. And yeah, I was born there, lived there until I was seven. And then I came to the UK. And yeah, I've lived pretty much in London for, yeah, for the rest of the time. So yeah, apart apart from my brief stint in the Midlands, (laughs) but yeah, for, for uni, but yeah, pretty much London. What do you recall about Zimbabwe? I guess just snippets of things. Yeah, really random snippets of things. I remember, oh no, I remember slamming my finger into a car door, which is probably like on the more traumatic (laughs) (laughs) end of things. Um, I remember going to school for the first time. Um, What else do I remember? It's just like snippets and sometimes it's, it might be a song or it might be like a smell that kind of takes me back. Mm. Yeah, it's just, yeah, just snippets of things, really. And have you been able to go back? I haven't been able to go back, but it is definitely a desire that I have to go back and to, yeah, to just kind of see where I grew up. Yeah, I'd love to. I haven't really had the opportunity to, so, and I guess, you know, COVID is also <laughs> a spanner in the works because I think, you know, either last year or this year would have been like, yeah, a good a good two years to go but yeah we'll see yeah I feel that though because the last time I went to Ghana was I'm talking like 20 years ago so and when I think like I'd love to especially when there was loads of hype about the year of the return and I suppose the last couple of years especially the last 12 months it's been really kind of I suppose well in my life anyway there's been lots of events that have happened but it's also maybe kind of do a bit of soul searching in terms of like not a wouldn't say identity, but definitely wanted to get to know my guy on the inside a bit more. There's a, that passion there now as well. So I think as soon as like the COVID period is over, I'd love to 
you know, find a, a decent opportunity and spend a nice amount of time in Ghana and uh, spend time with my family over there for sure. So, yeah, you know, I, I empathise with everybody who kind of says, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity or, I, you know, I'm, I'm desiring to get back there. I feel it. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to go to Ghana as well, actually. That's, yeah, that's another place on the continent that I'd love to visit. We'd like to do like as many, well, I'm copying my sister's idea, but to, to try and go to as many different countries in, in Africa as possible, just to get a sense of the place. Because I get, I guess everywhere is has got their own identity and stuff but to be part of something so powerful and big it'd be just great to say I've been to Africa and basically mean you've been everywhere that'd be pretty cool mm, for sure what places are on your oh I would love to do Kenya um Zimbabwe's on my list as well I'd like to do I did South Africa about two years ago but I, I only did like a really small part I didn't basically travel or anything I, did, I was very lucky I, I was had the opportunity to do a safari I won't go into the story as to how I got to get that opportunity because it's a nightmare <laughs> I'm, so I'm troublesome but basically I'd like to do a lot more South Africa because I, I thought I had a little inkling of the culture but if you're on a safari you, you're very much I think it's like a staged area. You, you see like the animals and the, the, you know, the food that they bring out is very theatrical. You're not seeing the country, are you? You, you, you know, you're on a resort essentially, but oh, there's loads of places as well. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to, um, I'd like to do Somalia as well. Oh, wow. Ethiopia. I think I'd just like to do everywhere, to be honest. <laughs> I'd love, love to do like a big tick list, to, um, to be fair. But again, it's money and opportunity and time, all those things. But yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> that um, sounds good. Sorry, I'm just chuckling to myself. Just a, the thought of a safari. I like animals from afar. And so... I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing a video on, I think, on Twitter this week where... A guy, well, I'm sure they don't have camels on safaris, or maybe they do, but this, yeah, this camel, um, he's trying to feed the camel and he was just like freaking out in the car. And I just feel like that would be me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to have everything enclosed so I'm just not troubled by these creatures. (laughs) <laughs> to, to be honest they didn't come really close and I was devastated but the, the one animal that I love is that a lions and they had a really good view of those but yeah I'd do it again for sure I'd definitely do it again and do you know what I thought the best thing about the safari was they, the education side of it because if you see an animal in the zoo you don't really see them in the natural habitat obviously and there was one point where an elephant had walked from let's say the reception area and five minutes later it was miles up a mountain so the oh. ground that they can they can walk in a, such a short space of time is mental so then when you see them when you think of them in a zoo you think god like, it's actually torture for them like they're, they're used to masses of space and land and stuff so yeah I mean I would definitely recommend doing it if, if, if possible but I'd like to obviously see the country as well I think that was my biggest letdown I didn't actually see the country but but yeah I digress mm-hmm. so do you have any do you have any siblings I do I've, I've got one brother, one sister, mm-hmm. and they're both younger than me. So there's, yeah, there's a six-year gap between my sister and I and then an eight-year gap between, yeah, my brother and I. So, yeah. Just nice. That's nice. I always ask the question because, so, so obviously Julie's the eldest. I'm next in line, uh, two years below Julie. Then I've got, a, we have a brother called Kofi who is two years after me. Then we've got another brother who is like a, a much larger age gap from Kofi. And the reason why I'm not saying that the age gap is I'm trying to work it out in my head and I can't remember. Six. Six. (laughs) Julie's there thinking, God, do your maths, Jeff, do your maths. I couldn't do it quick (laughs) enough. And I I always found the dynamic of when you've got siblings, I think, especially the eldest, I I personally, there's a little bit of pressure on the eldest to 
set the bar, set the benchmark for the, for the other kids, especially in African families. But I also think it's just so important, just in terms of social skills, I think, when you meet people that have had, like, you know, just quite a lot of siblings to, to, to kind of knock around with or hang out with with their child, that I always find it interesting. Were you close as kids? Are you still close now? Were we close as kids? I feel like because we were quite far apart in age, I don't know if I can say we were close. I think we used to fight a lot. <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> particularly my sister and I oh my goodness it's only yeah. it's only when I moved out that absence really made the heart grow fonder and I, mm. I feel like we've got a really good relationship now and even now with my brother we've got a good relationship I, I feel like when I was yeah definitely when I was younger because I was the eldest I would kind of you know take them to their after school clubs or pick them up so there was a lot of kind of I guess responsibility involved in being the oldest so yeah yeah but there's definitely banter now between us that's good yeah and when you were younger who would you say were like your influences in terms of those informative years so to kind of give you an example I would say mine would be potentially like Moesha sister sister bit of Jamelia bit of Samantha Mumba who was influencing you in your life as you were growing up that's a blast from the past Samantha Mumba (laughs) yeah go on girl (laughs) Yeah, I loved Moesha. I love Sister Sister as well. And yeah, I, do you know what? I was listening to Jamelia the other day, actually. And just, yeah, looking at her, you know, that video when she was dressed up in like the Regency kind of style yeah. Yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh, like, you know, even Beyonce did that like a few years ago. So she was, you know, she's a trailblazer in that in that regard. And Absolutely. With Bridgerton these days also. She's yeah. Cool. She was a, yeah. I didn't think of that, actually. You're absolutely right. She was doing it back in the day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm a massive Beyonce fan. (laughs) And so, like, I think Destiny's Child, for me growing up, yeah, I love Destiny's Child so much. Writings on the Wall is still my favourite album. Yeah, my top 10 album of all time, I have to say. I'm sure that's probably a controversial thing to say, but... It's my no, truth, you know. Why, why is it controversial? <laughs> I think that was like Destiny's Child at their best, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely them. Um, trying to think who else. I think yeah. To be honest with you, I think that they were probably the biggest. Yeah, my biggest babes <laughs> as I was growing up. I hope you don't mind me asking, but are you a child of the eighties or the nineties? Just with because some of the references we identify, we're both, you know, born in the eighties. 80s babies. <laughs> yeah, 80s baby as well. I'm just, I'm yes. horrified because the, um, the other day I've just started a new Instagram series called The 90s in 100 Days. And mm-hmm. just, I'm going to be exploring the 90s over 100 days. <laughs> and I could not believe that Ginny Wine's pony is 25 years old. No. I just think there are some like kids that just don't know. Like they weren't even born. Yeah. And so it just, it just reminds me that I'm actually getting very old. Yeah, um, ditto. How can, how can <laughs> like those days be so far away? Yeah. So, yeah well, no, I'm an 80s baby. Well, quite retrograde. Before all of this COVID madness, the last kind of live gig we went to was um, a, a house and garage. They were touring around the UK. And, you know, it was interesting because there were some quite young kids that clearly were not born when these hits were initially out and stuff. So I was just thinking, oh, well, your parents have given you a good education <laughs> if you're yeah. independently. But yeah, it does make you think when you stop and think of how long it's been since they were like released. I mean, they still sound fresh to me anyway, but you know. 
They were amazing. That was such a good gig. So just to give context to that, that was the blast off. And you had people like Eve, you had Nelly, you had Maya, Blue Cantrell. I mean, all of them were just amazing. And I remember thinking, oh my God, especially Eve, she she could have released all of those things and done that same set. And I wouldn't have put her in the you know 90s or whatever. She was relevant now. She looked amazing. The tunes were amazing. But I did think to myself, these are all really, really old songs. Like, I'm really old, really old. And I'm only like, well, I was only 34 at this time. Well, I'm 35, 35. It's mad. so mad, isn't it? Mm. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I feel like life speeds up <laughs> as you get older. <laughs> yeah, that was a good sure. gig though, man. Well, the good old amazing. days. When, <laughs> the good old days when you could go to a concert. <laughs> I'm ready for for normality now, definitely. So when did you sort of find your passion or your, your, when did you find the art or the creative side of you? Was it something that was always in you when you were younger or was it something that you kind of discovered later on in life? I've always loved art since I was a kid. I was always drawing. Yeah, I've just loved it. I've loved it. I've loved it. And yeah, my favourite subject in school was art. Did art for A-level. So yeah, I feel like it's been in my blood (laughs) <laughs> for a long time so yeah no I love it and I think even though I didn't initially pursue I guess a creative field as such I always try to infuse creativity in the role that I was kind of doing so yeah did, did you not study art at university no I didn't so when I was trying to figure out what I would do um, in terms of I guess uni it was basically a choice between kind of going to art school or studying classics which is like the um, study of the ancient Greek and Roman world Mm -hmm. amazing and so I ended up studying classics because I just thought it it, it would be easier for me to go back to the art I'm not going to try and figure out how to do Latin and Greek (laughs) like yeah so I might as well just do that now kind of see where that goes and then yeah I guess Yeah, after that, I ended up kind of going down the charity youth sector. And Mm -hmm. so I was like a youth worker for quite a long time and then ended up working at a youth charity and then kind of becoming the CEO of that. (laughs) What? Was my last job. That's amazing. Before I kind of decided to quit and pursue Kajari made it. So yeah, but even in like, yeah, all of that, I still kind of did very like creative workshops for the kids and all of that kind of stuff so crikey that's awesome from a perspective of somebody who again I don't know much about the course that you did and same with art to be honest do you think looking back that the concept or the topic of what was taught to you the curriculum at the time do you think that that it does need sort of decolonizing was it very do you look back and think actually there was elements which could have been updated or that didn't reflect me or at the time, was it just kind of, you know, your teachers say, do this essay or look into this area of whatever syllabus it was that you were going through at the time and you produce the work? What was kind of your mindset at the time now versus back then? It's really interesting, actually, because I think from quite a young age, I just decided to do things or to study in a way that pleased myself. So, yeah. for example, I think one of my final art projects for A-level was Khalees. Oh, yeah, she's another babe, actually. Oh, <laughs> growing up Looks, yes yeah. so she so I yeah I did a whole art project on her and then for That's my nice. yeah it was good it was good as in I enjoyed it I don't know if it was good but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then for my degree my final dissertation was on I kind of did a comparative study between Roman satire and hip-hop 
and how both can Ooh. be as like a vehicle of what was it social I don't know can't remember now but yeah I, I compared those two things and then also nice. I, did, I did a master's in African studies oh wow Fantastic. and then I majored in African literature and then I again it was a comparative study between grime and Somali poetry and how both could be seen as forms of war poetry I think mm. that's kind of yeah what I wow in order for me to study something or for me, for me to enjoy it I have to make it relevant and yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to see something in it that I enjoy and so often yeah. yeah in school you don't really get the opportunity to do that but I did it for myself in many ways I guess so, powerful yeah. I love that that's very from what I see of your what you do now it's very you isn't it totally like you've got a real strong sense of identity like I think great question by you as well you're an 80s baby like I thought to myself she must be our age or she must be around our age just because sometimes the the imagery or the, the celebs that you pick I'm thinking she's got to be like, you know you know you relate to the certain things that you put out there but you um obviously have always had that element of being able to put your mark on something on and being confident enough to bring you who you are to whatever whatever project you're working on which is incredible especially at ages when you're young and you you know uni or you know school college etc I think that's really it's quite remarkable quite powerful oh thank you yeah I I guess it's only really uh, clicked now that you know I've actually yeah that's something I've been doing for a while um Mm. so yeah thank you from a creative family like whether it's your parents or um am I from a creative family yes so well my dad was a doctor so probably not as creative but obviously still worthwhile (laughs) not to (laughs) not to bash that obviously my mum is yeah she's a kind of a book person so she is a designer and also an editor Mm. and so yeah she's yeah she's definitely creative my siblings are also creative yeah I think yeah I think it's fair to say that we are a creative family on the whole so yeah do you ever get critique from any of your like your family obviously with them all having their own background and elements of creativity do they ever think oh or do you go to them for advice even with some things yes so so my sister yeah (laughs) my sister sometimes I'll post something and she'll be like no can you take that down she doesn't, Why? Do, she, doesn't she doesn't tell me to take it down so much now but like before she'd be like sorry can you take this down there have been there have been a couple of times where they've been like spelling mistakes and so I'll right. be like no so I'll, I'll have to take it down but um I think sometimes what I do can rattle her just because sometimes I think I, I mean I don't, I don't know I don't know if I cross any lines but I feel nah. like sometimes she thinks I skirt <laughs> a little bit too close to the edge. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes my work gives her palpitations, but... Because um, she cares, right? Yeah, she definitely cares. She definitely cares. So yeah, so I definitely... Sometimes if I'm going to tackle something that might be a little bit more sensitive, I will definitely go to my family. We've got a family WhatsApp group. <laughs> so I'll kind of, yeah, put it in there and see what people think and kind of see yeah. what the reactions are. Is, so, is yeah. that more along the lines of your kind of current content? Because there does seem to be a shift in like the kind of frequency of and the amount that you're posting and, and what you've been posting over maybe the last eight, nine months. And mm. Is that, so, um, you know, because, you know, we haven't talked about your amazing 
illustrations that have made their way of so many things, you know, cards and then a massive array of increasing great gifts. And it's great to see branching out into kitchenware and all sorts now. But then, you know, there's always like the daily content and commentary on pop culture. Is that kind of, the, can it sometimes be those kind of posts that your sister might yes for sure right for sure yeah oh, bless her. it's definitely those <laughs> don't stop those because i live for those literally <laughs> the, amount, the amount of times i just screenshot them and send them to the girls and they're like yes mate we've seen it i'm like brilliant <laughs> thank you yeah no i'm, I'm still going to continue <laughs> i love it me, i'm sure but yeah illustration is so powerful and it's a medium that's been used for centuries isn't it because you know, if you can't read, you can definitely see what a picture's trying to tell you. Or, and yeah, they're so powerful. And I just love kind of your insight or perspectives. And do also kind of reinforce the message with words sometimes. But sometimes you don't need any words or you can just see it. And even the fact that you've acknowledged this kind of thing that's happening with this, with your illustration. It's, it, and they're, they're always, well, you're such a talent. They're beautiful. I love the vibrancy of it. And yeah, I just, I, how long does it take for you to do, to create the images? It depends. It definitely does vary. Sometimes I might, I guess, read a story, for example, or a new story, and then I have a reaction straight away. And so it kind of comes together pretty quickly. So that, that could be like maybe one or two hours and get something done. But sometimes there'll be something that I want to respond to, but I actually don't know how to... <laughs> like put it together or articulate what I'm thinking um, mm. so that can take a little bit longer so yeah it varies but yeah I guess maybe on average maybe like two two and a half hours three hours tops probably it's still a massive commitment isn't it and it's, yeah for yeah. sure for sure I think sometimes people think I just kind of roll it out <laughs> And it's not I, I thought you would. I genuinely, no, because sometimes they're, they're there. Like, some, for example, the Yawande colorism conversation that, that people are having at the moment. And I was thinking, God, you know, it's, it's a real opportunity to have a conversation, like, to have a narrative about color. And then, poof, you picture I'm like, oh my God, she's like literally got me. He's off the, like, <laughs> on, on the tap. But obviously, you say it's a process. You have to think about what you want to do. I loved how you did it, though, with the original. And Viv. And Viv. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, incredible. Very, it's just like this is what I mean. I often think like you are like you'll probably think, oh, you know, this is a good idea. Jot it down. Ten minutes later, add a bit of splash of colour, whack it up on Insta. <laughs> but but obviously I there wish, is a big process. I wish. <laughs> um, I wish it was like that. But it's but you it's, do so well. Thank you so much. I think it's you know, a, a, maybe a couple of years ago I challenge myself to kind of illustrate something every day for a few months I think and I think that exercise was really helpful because I think you know I guess the more it's like a muscle the more you kind of exercise it the mm. quicker it becomes or the I guess the the better it becomes or the more able you're the more you're able to do something <laughs> so I think that exercise definitely helped me now so I may not post every day but it's it's that same kind of yeah process that I go through to to create content so did you ever think you'd have the following that you have because everyone loves you 
you've got champions in like your Clara Amphos, you've got so many people that are just obsessed with, and rightly so, like absolutely in all of your, your talent. So did you ever think you'd have such a diverse sort of following and how do you feel about having so many people like loving your work? Abs- I know this was not part of the plan. So at the moment I'm just like, <laughs> what on earth? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on um but it's it's you know it's such a blessing just to see people respond so favorably to my work mm-hmm. yeah it's it's definitely not something that I had anticipated at all and I think even so the kind of challenge of me creating content every day was very much a response to like especially you know I started as you mentioned at the beginning like I my main thing was I guess the stationary homeware and stuff that I create and created but you know trying to get stockists to (laughs) be interested in your products Mm. and like you know you might want to try and get press for things I just there were there's so many like shut doors yeah and I found that really frustrating and I just I think at that time I just thought you know what like bun all of you (laughs) I'm just gonna create content like the energy that I'm trying to get all of you man to like look at the work that I'm doing I'm actually going to use that energy to create content that I love and like mm. do things that I'm interested in. And it's just funny that, you know, in in the process of me doing that, that's kind of where more opportunities have come. Okay. And I think, yeah, yeah I think for me, it's, yeah, we can spend so much time trying to um, chase after opportunities or, I don't know, things that, you know, you can kind of neglect just, yeah, doing doing the things that you're gifted in. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah it was never part of the plan <laughs> to have a, such a massive following and actually when I got to 10,000 followers I was like oh my goodness I need to shut everything down <laughs> there's too many people <laughs> I'm actually I'm I'm a super <laughs> introvert and just the thought of 10,000 eyes being upon my work was just like oh my goodness what is this um, amazing so yeah it's yeah <laughs> it's amazing you deserve everything honestly your, your work speaks for itself anyway but it, I suppose even when it was I, think, I can't remember when it came out but the the colorism one I was like every time you nail it like there's nothing like you know when you think oh my god that's it peaked amazing every time some, I'm just like god there's nothing stopping this girl you've got such an eye for for what to to create and when to create it it's not like you you do it for every single thing just to put something out when it comes out it's relevant so Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no there's no coincidence as to why you're so successful or to, or to why people are literally waiting, in, you know, for the next post and commenting and sharing and tagging and that your followers are increasing every single day. It's amazing. It's fantastic to say. We love it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's nerve wracking though because people are like, you've done it again. My, my family actually tease me. They're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> people be like, oh, you've done it again. But actually, like, I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's that that can sometimes feel like pressure to kind of yeah. you know live up to the standard that people think that you're attaining but mm-hmm. I think one thing that really helps me is um to really think about um what I enjoy and what I like because that's how I started yeah um yeah. and so to to really work from a place of joy and yeah if I if I like the content then I put it out I think that that really like that. Helps, helps me to kind of keep it keep myself grounded and think about yeah, yeah what do you like um, mm. and yeah not to kind of be swayed by what people say in that way no definitely that's really important and I think it you know from what you've said about 
subjects in school and university, it, that kind of thread carries on because you, you can be quite easily swayed and you know let's face it social media can be quite fickle but if at the end of the day you're not doing it for the likes you're just doing it because you enjoy it and you it, you what you're putting out today resonates with you and you're not trying to put what you think people would want you're putting what you want to still mm. do you know what I mean because you could be really influenced by by the kind of um, popularity um, and everything but um, you mentioned it wasn't part of the plan. So I just wondered what was your plan? Was Did you start your enterprise as, was it like a, a side hustle, a way to get some of your creativity out? And, and then has it grown into what it is now and allowed you to do it full time? Yeah, so it, it definitely did start as a side hustle. I think actually, you know, the, the name Kajara made it was, was just a signature I had on my illustration. So I actually started this while I was at uni. Oh, okay. um, yeah so I I would just kind of do like little illustrations of people that I knew and yeah kind of fast forward a, a few years when I was working for the youth charity I I went down to four days a week and then I dedicated one day to kind of do you know build up the I guess the greetings card stationery and all that kind of stuff and then it was from there then I then quit my job I think this was 2016 I quit my job and um, started doing it full time. So yeah, so the plan was just to be like, to have an amazing store of wonderful, delicious things that people could buy. So that's been the plan. And I think that's still happening, but it's just happening in a way that I guess I didn't expect. And it's kind of grown into something bigger. Yeah, um, man. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of where we are. <laughs> that's where we I are love now. It. Yeah. I love her and just to go back to like the element of like the followers and the, the element of potential that the, what you said like pressure and it can be mm-hmm. but I mean I've had like a, and it might be what well, our followers way less than yours but we have or I definitely have a sense that our online community is so supportive now I know there's like what's the term trolls and there is negativity out there etc but do you do you have a sense that the, like your followers like really want you to do well and we're here to see you shine as opposed to like I suppose that like the negative sides of having such a, a big following what's what's your vibe in terms of your I don't know your network online yeah to be honest people have been so nice like yeah the comments that I get are, are always like what are often really positive and just yeah people are really kind in the dms which is nice, mm. like, and I'm, Absolutely. you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for that because I know, especially being a black woman, you know, the trolls come after us <laughs> in a way yeah. that they don't necessarily come after, you know, our other counterparts. And so I'm definitely grateful for that. And especially given some of the content that I produce, yeah, I'm grateful that, you know, obviously you do get trolls every now and again, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's not to the degree that I know some of, you know, some other women particularly get it so that's good to hear I I definitely feel the love good you should feel the love (laughs) and who's your two questions in one really who's your favorite celebrity to draw and who's the most difficult um I think it's both the same person so my favorite celebrity to draw is Beyonce and I find her the most difficult to draw as well (laughs) And really? I don't know why. Sometimes I draw her. I'm just like, this doesn't look like her. <laughs> it's because you love her so much. <laughs> that's, that's, 
somebody said that to me actually <laughs> so yeah I'm you know I've I think I've probably got a folder of different Beyonce's that I've drawn I've been like oh no this doesn't look like her at all um so really yeah, think, yeah so yeah so I try and fail and I try again to, to draw Beyonce yeah so she's probably my favorite to draw and I think in terms of celebrities I don't I drew Lil Wayne the other day or not the other day recently and anyone with like loads of face tattoos I'm just like no yeah it's it's drawing their face and then it's also trying to (laughs) draw like their their body artwork Um, yeah so yeah Yeah, that would be that would be difficult oh I think your Beyonce is brilliant oh thanks I suppose your eyes more critical isn't it but I love your god I think all of them are just ace absolutely wicked thank you so much but yeah she's probably the one I stress over the most in terms of trying to get right for some reason but um yeah if you met her um, what would you do if you did and do you know if she's aware of you I'd probably cry if I met her and that's I know that sounds so sad no (laughs) babe I'm with you mate I would cry too I'd cry for you actually (laughs) in an Alexandra Burke kind of way honestly yeah do you know yeah. I love that performance I love that performance of with Alexandra Burke and Beyonce me too <laughs> just looking at Alexandra like there's one point that she's crying and she's saying I love you <laughs> I think that would be me and, yeah bad and like Beyonce's like you can tell like Alexandra's like putting her heart and soul and then like Beyonce's just so rude she just comes and she's like doing it so effortlessly like she's not even yeah. trying I love that performance <laughs> yeah she smashed it didn't they for sure yeah I love Beyonce um yeah I think the crying and the saying I love you is standard I don't I always think to myself if you met your like your absolute idol so Beyonce for you would you would you be able to actually have a conversation and I don't think you would would you You would or you wouldn't remember it would you you'd just be like oh my god kind of take a selfie and then that's it as long as you've got evidence that's all you need really in this day and age yeah for (laughs) sure and I just pray that you know if I ever get to meet her please can I just look okay (laughs) (laughs) I've met like a few celebrities in the past very few and I've always looked really crusty as well and I'm just like oh Kajari like this is one day this could have been, you know, this could have been a nice picture that I would have just, you know, flexed on, on socials, but I can't even do that. Yeah, mate. Yeah, that's another thing. You want your hair on point, don't you? You want to just be looking yeah. for, like, yeah, on point. I feel it. Yeah. Who, was your, who would yours be, Julie? Who would be the celebrity that you would, one, want to meet, and two, you'd probably be like, just don't cry, look on point. Is there one? I don't know now. I think back in the day, I would definitely have said Beyonce, and I'm, I'm sure in a yearbook or something she's mentioned about Beyonce. Like, I really admire the woman. I think what she has created is incredible. And she's incredibly talented mm. as well. I don't know, actually. I don't know. Well, who would yours be? Oprah Winfrey. Not even, even going to pretend to go, mm, good question. Oprah Winfrey, over, over, over. I just think she's amazing. I think what she's mm. achieved is great. Her legacy is amazing. And I think if I did muster up the confidence to actually have a conversation, I'd learn a lot in a short space of time, get nuggets of success from her. So true. I think she's just wicked, just so cool. And then if there's extra people I could fit in the room, like Michelle Obama, Naomi Campbell, Beyonce that as well. But mm. if it was one, just Oprah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sort of That's my wish list. <laughs> I, like, I, I like Oprah Winfrey, actually, I think. And I think you could actually have a good conversation with her because obviously she oh. interviews people, so she... She really knows how to kind of 
carry a conversation and just yeah she'd be amazing and do you know what like I think the more I like even that um the Amanda girl that did the poem at the inauguration of Joe Biden like even the relationship that Oprah Winfrey's had with her over the years it's just you know she's like a mentor to millions well not millions but to loads of people that Mm. I just think she's got a natural side of her where she just wants to give and give and give and I think like you say, natural communicator, you get something from that conversation, even if it was just like a bit of motivation or an affirmation, you get something that you could treasure mm. moving forward. Yeah. yeah, I love her. I think she'd be I'd great. I'd love to meet Viola Davis as well. She's one of my oh, favorites. Yes, she's man. Favorites. She'd um, be and great. Please, again, I'd love to have a conversation yeah. with her. I love that she's like, she's got her own farm and she grows her own food. Police was bad once she back in there. I absolutely loved her. I, I do, do remember going clubbing with my sister and her song Milkshake coming on and both losing our minds. But <laughs> I just thought she was very different as well at the time. I don't know. Mm. When I look back, I think she probably wasn't that different to the artist in her field in, in America. But I just remember being like, wow, she's just incredible. But yeah, I didn't know she had a farm. I didn't know she'd got all that stuff. Yes, but she'd yeah. be interesting to speak to for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that they're all American, isn't it? Well, That's most true. of it. Are. That's so true. We need some homegrown. Well, there are loads of amazing, inspiring black uh, British men and women. I know, but I'd, I just, if, if I had the chance, if I had one wish, it would always be Oprah. If, I know there are lots of amazing black British people that, you know, that I could go for, like, pull, pull upon, but just, you know, when you've just got that fangirl. Every time she's on, every time I hear her voice, I stop and just like, oh my God, this woman is literally amazing. She's queen. She's incredible. But yeah, more like one day, honestly, it'd be amazing if we could catch up in, let's say, like two years and uh, Kajara, you're like, oh my God, Beyonce was amazing. God, she said this and here's the photo. And oh I was like, oh my God, it was great too. <laughs> You've got two yes. years. The count, count, You've count. got two years. Okay. What? 2000? Oh, I can't even count. <laughs> <laughs> what year are you now? What year are we now? 2021. Okay. Great. 2021. Okay, cool. We've got two years, guys. Two years, we'll recap okay. and yeah, and just tell our amazing stories well, and show our pictures. God, that'd be amazing. Now, can I ask you, because obviously you said you you love illustrating is a passion mm-hmm. but what do you do to like relax do you have any hobbies pastimes that you can still do in covid times it's that's a really interesting question because i think especially when you move when something is something that you do as a hobby and to relax becomes a thing that you do for work mm-hmm. um that can definitely shift the dynamics you have with that thing yeah and so I think there's still a large degree to which when I'm creating or when I'm like illustrating I love that so it that's that in itself can be quite relaxing but I think now what do I do to relax I think I guess watch shows if I can I also uh I read (laughs) I've just I bought myself a kindle for Christmas because I just yeah sometimes I go through phases of not reading anything at all yeah me too yeah so I kind of bought a kindle to just maybe stop that a little bit well to, to come out of that phase of <laughs> not reading anything so yeah I read what else do I do to relax I sleep if I can um yeah man that's my, my hobby 
yeah sleep is great there are things that I love to do that I don't do as often as I would like things like play the piano um sewing I used to love like you know cross stitch um so I bought I actually bought myself a little uh sewing kit the other day to kind of do a bit more of that yeah so those are probably the things I like to do chat to friends I don't know if that's That's a hobby but yeah yeah it's hard now though I think with Covid because like if you asked me like maybe a year or so ago I'd be like I love going to like the gym class or going for a swim mm. whereas now the creative element is it's you're just limited to what you can do at home and I'm not saying that's a bad thing we're lucky to have you know a home and electricity and all those wonderful things but like get me back to the norm as soon as possible really is what I'm trying to say I just want to have that norm of going to the pub going to a restaurant seeing friends and just socializing a bit because that, that's essentially yeah. what how most of us would unwind without, you know, the, that's the norm, isn't it, really? Just having a breather from your, your actual work or home space. Yeah, um, sure. So difficult. For sure. Do you go to the gym to relax, though? Is that a relaxing thing? So I like, like, my classes, like, my classes are, like, either, like, Zumba or dance class. And for okay, me, nice. just, like, for a 40-minute session where, and it is, like, one of those things mentally, I don't have to think that I'm in the gym because I just love to just get lost in a song and... The girls that I meet at the gym are just lovely people. Yeah. So that element of it, I would be like, that's my escape. I would, for me, going on a treadmill or doing a, a hit class isn't necessary. Like I'd have to psych myself up to the, for that. That's not necessarily fun. But like the the classes, I really did enjoy them. And I think as soon as lockdown happened and when it was taken away, I was a bit like, oh god. And I had to, you know, I started doing them from my living room, and it's not the same. No, it's not the same, is it? No, yeah. absolutely not. But uh, when normality comes back, that's one of the first things that I'm really looking forward to doing, getting back into a room of people and just dancing and having some like, and also I learned loads of different styles of music. Like the the tutor uh, or the dance teacher was a lady who traveled a lot and she'd, some of the influences were like French. Some of them were obviously from an African um, slant of stuff. And that element of it, I was thinking, God, this is amazing. I'm le- and I'm learning like different artists and things like that. So and as somebody who's a bit older, I used to love music when I was younger. And I, I used to think I was really in with like, you know, artists and, you know, what was relevant. Whereas now, don't really listen to radio much. And I, like, I listen to younger podcasts and I'm thinking, who are they talking about? I have no idea who these <laughs> new like singers are. Whereas I think when I was doing my dance class and stuff, I was a little, I had a little sort of hand in that sort of, um, that, that, that sort of um, industry a little bit. So mm. yeah, that, that's for me, that was my little element of fun, I think. So yeah, when normality comes back, I'm desperate to go back to do a, a class or two a week. That'd be fun. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. I do run as well, but- Do you? Say, not fast. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Oh, I hate, do you know what I hate so much is when people overtake me. I'm just like, you're so rude. (laughs) I find it really offensive. I'm like, you could have just, you know. (laughs) Cross over, cross the road. Exactly. (laughs) It just, yeah, but obviously that's my own insecurities of of like not being able to run very fast. If they look older than you as well. That's even worse. They just need to run your own race. Yeah, that's, that's what I try and tell myself but to be honest with you the only thing I enjoy about running is my playlist like yeah. that's that's literally the only thing that's the only thing that motivates me to leave my house it's not I don't actually sometimes I enjoy running but it's actually the playlist that yeah I, could, I music, don't know how people yeah I don't know how people go running without music I just that'd be like a, a two-minute run for me I need I need <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
So what's on your playlist? What song is it like you kind of you know, oh, so that reinvigorates you straight away? Oh, this is terrible, but well, I don't know if it's terrible. Basically, I've I've now made two playlists because the first playlist was just full of like so I need I really need like hype songs. Like I need Yeah. You can't just give me like soft R&B, like that's not gonna work. I need something that's gonna hype me up. I'm even just logging on to my playlist just to see, just to see. So things like Dipset, <laughs> Joel Santana, yeah, um, Buster Rhymes, Break Your Neck. Obviously, yeah, that's that's the last oh, thing I want to do. Geez. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god, you Kano, need some stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Kano, oh, Gibbs, yeah, Three Wheel Ups. So it's, it's, it's songs like that that just get me hype. Mm-hmm. But sometimes like, so, yeah, some, sometimes like the, the lyrical content is just a bit not where I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. But the beat's so, there, mate. The beat's yeah, what gets beat. you there, isn't it? It's the beat, yeah. Yes. So, Maybe get yeah. the video edit. <laughs> Fine, try yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I used to, when I did used to go like running in the gym and it got to the point where I was just like, I was absolutely knackered. My go-to song to make me at least, you know, finish what I was doing or maybe go like at least three minutes, 30 seconds longer was Joe Budden Fire without fail. Mm. Just because like that beat would be, you know, just keep me going like a train. And then I'd just be like, right, I'm done, done. But I know what you yeah. mean. It's definitely the beat. It's not necessarily the lyrics that can, get, like, kind of get you past the finish line. Would you ever do like a fun run or a marathon or a, anything like that? Is, that? is that anything that would tick your box or no? A fun run sounds like an oxymoron to me. Like I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get that concept. I'm with you. <laughs> but I, I did sign up for one actually a few years ago, but this is before I actually started properly running. I say properly running, right. I, I don't run far. <laughs> And I don't run long, but like I wasn't in the um, habit of running regularly. And I did sign up to a Nike one, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't wow. end up going because I just thought Kajari, like, know yourself. I don't think you're. Gonna, <laughs> I don't. I don't think you're gonna finish. Like, reach the finish line. So I might do like a, you know, a five k run. I think I, I can, I can run five k for like. Yeah. Maybe I could push myself to do like a ten k, but there's nothing about doing a marathon that actually appeals to me yeah it just sounds like a painful (laughs) a painful experience and I think maybe maybe like half a marathon Mm. might be more appealing to me but just running the full marathon just yeah there's nothing there's nothing about that that appeals to me at all Um, I'm with you on that I respect I respect it but yeah I don't know if that's for me because Jay you've done a half marathon haven't you you did the north the Great North Run, when you're at uni. And I, ever since you've done that, I keep saying to myself, I must put my name down for a 10K. But every single time it gets to the form, I'm just like, just look for a 5K, try to do that first, and then maybe push mm. yourself, you know, let's take it, let's take the milestones in, in an orderly fashion. But <laughs> I could totally get the sense of achievement, but I sometimes see people, <laughs> can't, when the friends have watched the, the London Marathon, I'm not laughing at anybody else in the one that's amazing, but I've, I saw once um, somebody who crossed the finish line and then st- tried to stop to stop walking, <laughs> to stand still, <laughs> and their legs just wouldn't let them, they were like linguine, and I was thinking, no, this is not what it's mm. about, um, so no, I, again, I don't know, like you say, fun and running, it's, 
it's, it doesn't seem to fit well with me, but it would be a sense of achievement. For somebody like me who's not a natural runner, it'd be a real sense of achievement to do like a, a 10k or a half marathon. We'll see. Again, we'll catch up in two years. I'll, I'll let you know. I'm, I'm cracking up. I'll let you know what the, what the situation is with my running. Yeah, um, that sounds good. <laughs> How was the half marathon? Oh, it was really good. I mean, th- I was at uni then, so you know, much younger, fitter. So the Great North Run is in Newcastle and I was like, I was there for seven years. So you can't not get involved. Do you know what I mean? It's every year there's the buzz and stuff. And I actually really enjoyed it. Like the training, not so much. Mm. I like running, but you know, I like running because I want to run, not because I have to. But doing that, I've, like, because I'd never like, run that kind of full distance before was a sense of achievement and I couldn't walk properly for the next couple of days exactly <laughs> this is what I mean yeah. but, uh, uh, but yeah no I, I loved it and the atmosphere and you know yeah the way along the route you've got spectators and I can still remember this so I did should I do that it was in about 23 so like maybe 14 years ago I did it but I remember running and like the spectators there was a little boy who had like chocolate covered peanuts you know to give to the spectators but he, he held it in between his fingers and it was uh. <laughs> and then all the people were giving out sweets or drinks it was just the whole route there were people like oh that's lovely but yeah it's, it's uh i think a couple of times <laughs> somebody you described as a silver fox did overtake you it did give you a bit more impetus to get yeah but yeah, I'd, I'd, to be honest, I mean, I've not done it again since and I would like to. So it's maybe something to think about post-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the training. Like, people have to go out in the rain and stuff. I just, I just couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Absolutely. But you did it, which is amazing. Well sure. done, Jay. I'd love to ask you, actually, what's it like, I guess, living outside... This sounds so dumb, but, like, living outside of London and also being black? Because I feel like, especially you know in I guess the media and popular culture London is seen as the kind of center point of I guess I don't know the black experience in some ways like Mm, what agree totally agree what is it like kind of living outside of that yeah that I guess bubble in in many ways do you want to go first Jerry um well I mean I guess it's what it's all we knew we all we've known so we were born here, grew up in the north in Yorkshire and went to northern unis. So sometimes it's like people, sometimes when you say where you grew up, people are like, what, there are black people there? <laughs> Some people mm-hmm. don't really recognise that. And it, especially because of where we grew up, especially the town we grew up, I think we're very much used to being a minority and not necessarily mm. seeing yourself represented. So even when you do see people of African or Caribbean heritage in the media, if they're often, especially when we grew up, you know, we've, we've all referenced, you know, your Marisha's, your sister's sister, Cosby, they've all been like American, a lot of them. I mean, there were, I do remember Desmond's, I do remember the Real McCoy, those kind of things. But then, yes, but then the stuff that you did see, that was very, very London centric. So I think that's part of what our passion is to try and widen the narrative, to share stories from all, all over, to encourage and inspire because you know, to, for the little eight-year-old me or whatever, to see a black British person with a Northern accent would have been like really powerful or even other accents. So, you know, Steph mentioned Samantha Mumba um, she's Irish, isn't she? And it was just refreshing, wasn't it? To have somebody who wasn't necessarily in this kind of like mold. So I think, cause it's all we've known. It's yeah. not, it, it, 
users. So then it does give you some kind of a skill set that you might not have if you didn't grow up where used to being a minority all the time. But sometimes it's come with quite draining being that yeah. or you, when especially if you go to an area that's more diverse more so we both live in Leeds now and the contrast of living Leeds to like living up in Hull or outskirts of Hull it really hits me now because I've been away from it so yeah but but I think things are improving all the time and increasing all the time and that, that gives me hope but what would you say? Mm. I'd agree with you fully I think when we, I was younger again it was all I knew so going to school and my teachers instantly knowing that without even knowing my name my sister was Julie and my younger brothers were so and so just because we were the only black family in that town it, you know that's all I knew likewise you know just have having friends come over and be like being amazed at you know about the colors of the you know the food that my mum would cook and things like that wasn't strange to me but I look back and think you know there were obviously cultural differences but the benefit I'd say of those experiences, especially when I'm in like a working environment now, especially, you know, working in private sector or sometimes being in meetings where you're the only brown face in a white space. I'm so used to that. It doesn't make me feel less than, it doesn't make me feel like uncomfortable in any way, shape or form. Not saying that it's right, but I can appreciate people that are potentially used to being in a bit more of a diverse community coming to somewhere like Hull or somewhere like Leeds where they are the minority it would they would feel or they would maybe have different feelings than I potentially do but I think the the only thing that I was quite shocked about in my terms of how I felt when I first went to Leeds Carnival which is obviously the smaller version of Notting Hill Carnival I was just like in awe and just like I couldn't believe that I had been living in Leeds for three or four years before I actually started being reg- a regular to this cultural event for our community and I just felt you know the sense of community straight away and just loved the fact that I wasn't like the only or felt <clears throat> like a minority and I, I love that I actually absolutely absolutely love the feeling of the vibe etc and I'm a big fan of you know anything that does make you know make you feel part of the community or give you exposure to different cultures etc but I do I remember thinking like my friendship group potentially at the time was very non-diverse because for me to be in the city and not have realised that this event was going on for three years on that bank holiday weekend was a massive, it was a bit, a bit disappointing really because I remember thinking that like, I've, I've missed out on three years of this stuff when I could have been really like in the heart and soul of it, which ultimately kind of led to what Afro Leeds is really, which is to shine a light on like the whole of the black narrative in the UK. And for as Julie's rightly said, like it's, it's not a bad thing to have, things being London centric or to shine a light on the, the element of um, the black narrative from the south there's a big demographic of people from Africa and the Caribbean down in London but it was really important to get that narrative of the whole of the UK because we've obviously felt that the I, I definitely felt that the northern black narrative wasn't as prevalent as the southern one so I mean I'm finding out things on a day-to-day basis about you know, amazing people that have come before us that have really left their mark in Yorkshire and, you know, from an African background and, you know, some of the stuff that we found out from Black History Month even this year, I, I remember thinking if we only knew that stuff, right. you know, when we were younger, we would have had such a different perspective on how far we could go. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm embarrassed about, you know, my trajectory or where I am and things like that, but, 
you'd have a different belief in terms of what you can be and who who you are and that's in Yorkshire but you know it does take a type of person to do that digging and delving and we're happy to share it I think the whole sort of core value of Afro Leeds is about representation whether it be Southern Northern Ireland Scotland or whatever but sharing that with with as many people as possible because it's stuff that we wanted when or what, that we need now or, or we felt there was a gap in the market for but I had an interesting conversation um, last Black History Month, I was on. I was lucky enough to be on a panel with my previous role with Virgin Media, and John Barnes was on this panel talking about what it, it feels like to be black and when you first felt black. And he I'm was surprised like, oh, he was able to answer that question. I <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was actually quite opinionated, actually, to be honest. But he said, "Oh, he said you don't sound like you're like from the north." And I was like, "Oh, I'm definitely northern." In certain it's, you know, if I go back home, I'm more, I sometimes get a bit of a stronger northern twang, like a more of a Yorkshire twang, but I'm definitely northern. And then the conversation, I don't know why, but went on to the perception of, you know, culture and like, if you're in the north, you're seen as soft and like thick. And I was like, I've never had like a conversation about what, about my intelligence. What I have had, you know, in terms of cult- culture is, is some of my friends from uni who were from London, they were like... They would call it, you know, not in a, like a, in a bad way, but they'd say you've, you've got more in common with Emmerdale than you do like, you know, Yardy or Top Boy. And, you know, it's absolutely true. Of course I do. Like this, I'm, I've been brought up in Yorkshire. I do watch, you know, lots of Yorkshire shows and I do relate to things in Yorkshire. But I suppose it did hit a nerve because at that point, I remember thinking to myself, there is a big part of me that I don't really like that. That's not really showcased in like who I am and my identity and things like that. So it's, I suppose with Afro Leeds, it's that. Like, I mean, it's, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to delve into our culture as, a, as in the UK Black British experience and learn that stuff and just take the, the bits that relate to me and that the bit you know and try and shape who I am from that really um but I, I've gone off on a tangent I realize that um but in terms of being Black in Yorkshire or Black in the North I can only speak from now my experience in Leeds and my experience in Leeds is that it's so much more diverse than where, where we grew up and like Julie like ended with I think things are definitely changing I think the mindset is that you know especially with the technology and the internet and just access to information and new awareness things that are coming up all the time I've, I'm really hopeful like you know should we have children in the future they were going to have a fraction of the obstacles potential that we had when we were growing up in you know outside of hall especially with school and like hair and just body confidence and all those things as well I'm, I'm just really because we didn't have the you know, the community around us to kind of reflect ourselves and the people around us I'm sure that they're just going to have a fraction of the issues that we potentially had I don't know if that answers your question I know that was a bit of a long-winded one yeah, that does that does and I think it's yeah like you said it's really important to hear diverse voices like in the black experience in the black British experience and I think yeah so often it's especially living in London it's easy to think that London is all there is but actually mm. you know there are so many yeah different different ways to be black in in the UK yeah. definitely do you find sometimes that even the kind of London-centric black British narrative that's very narrow isn't it it's often the same mm. stereotype that's perpetuated and it's not to kind of denigrate top boys it's always similar narratives isn't it and it doesn't like you know if you didn't grow up in a council estate in Peckham that's not going to fall like you know bricks of wherever you that your story is going to be completely different but it doesn't make you any less any less black British yeah yeah sure and yeah even yeah again even living in London like yeah there'll be lots of black people that don't relate to like top boy but (laughs) I guess people yeah 
assume that that's your life too so yeah absolutely really good question though never we never get asked any questions (laughs) like that that's all Mm -hmm. put us on the spot that's why I was like Julie you go first (laughs) (laughs) so it does actually segue nicely into us asking us asking you Kajari the melanin magic question which is what are your hopes and dreams of black British culture in the next five to ten years and do you have any insights on how we're going to get there I think I would just love to see us just flourish and continue to flourish. I think there's definitely a sense to which there's a kind of, I guess, thinking about blackness, there's a collective black experience that we feel just despite being, you know, you know, when we look at like the US and stuff, I guess in terms of thinking about like race relations and stuff, we we all know what it feels like to be oppressed. And so that's, I think, that's a way in which we are connected in that way. But I think, you know, apart from, you know, the US, I think it would just be nice to kind of see more of a distinction and a celebration of just black British culture. And I, you know, we, we do see it a little bit now, mm-hmm. um, but I just think it'd be, it'd be so nice to just be able to grow in that mm-hmm. because, you know, to be black British, you know, you could be from Ghana or your, you know, your parents could be from Ghana, Zimbabwe, like, a number of places and you know all of those different identities somehow kind of bring us together to create like Mm -hmm. this I guess black British identity and experience so I think it'd be nice to see more of that come to the fore just like the diverse voices and again like you said like for it to not just be London just to kind of yeah just yeah I'd just love to see more of a richness in that and yeah I think I'm thinking more of like music at the moment like it is actually possible to just listen to UK black music now in a way that it wasn't necessarily maybe as possible maybe that's just me Mm. maybe that's just my thinking but like so in terms of like black shows like black British shows I'd love to see more of that I'd love to just in every in every which way that we are able to shine (laughs) in whatever industry it would just it would be nice to kind of see more more of that kind of come to the fore whatever yeah it be. um I've got no suggestions as to how we might get there <laughs> it's a t- it's a big question though isn't yeah. it like it takes a, it takes the what risk of the whole of the UK to get there but how do you do it yeah it's crazy it's a big question yeah but yeah that's that that would be my hope I think it'd be nice you know for for us to also be able to for, for the, the wealthy amongst us, <laughs> the wealthy Black Brits amongst us to really like champion, like to, mm. to be patrons of the arts yeah. and our own arts as well. I think that would be amazing. Um, so instead yeah. of kind of waiting for, you know, the BBCs and the Channel 4s to pick us up, to like actually put money behind our own communities. So yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You're right, actually, you see it with what's he, that guy called who's like actually got his own like motorway is it Terry he's a, like a film director he's got his own like film lot and stuff oh Tyler Perry <laughs> Tyler Perry yeah. you need like people like your big dogs like that to it's the ownership isn't it and I totally agree with you because yeah. that's when you can start actually calling the shots and just basically you're not waiting for the appetite of people at the BBC or the channel calls of the world to think the appetite is there it's just putting it out there because you know that you could this could sell this could create a, a nice narrative so yeah I think that'd be a really cool idea yeah for sure for sure it seems so, to be yeah. starting you're hearing of more and more black owned production companies and 
Mm-hmm. So hopefully, like, yeah, that's that's definitely a step in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So, in terms of allowing our listeners to follow you and to buy your amazing products, what the best way that they can follow your social media or get in touch with you via your website and to purchase your products? If you want to purchase products, please go to www. Is that too many W's? Anyway, www. <laughs> <laughs> kajarimadeit.com so kajari is k-a-z-v for victor a-r-e and then madeit.com and then you can also follow me on socials at kajarimadeit so that's all from us today thank you so much kajari for joining us it's been an absolute honor and thank you for joining us if you're listening and join us again next time it's been a pleasure thank you so much